Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Brothers and sisters in Christ, uh, this text today from Revelation chapter 8 is kind of bridging a gap, uh, but there's even more of a gap that we're not really covering in in church. We we can't cover every last bit. I told you about this when we began. We're skipping chapter 7. Um, so to kind of rewind a little bit where we are, there's, there's the lamb cracking open the seals, and last Sunday we had six of those seals. There's one seal left, so the seals on the scroll. The scroll is all of humanity's history um, from the time of the ascension until the time Jesus comes back. These things are going to be happening, and then there's between the sixth and the seventh, there's like a an intermezzo, right? There's this like other little thing to look at, and it's, it's a really cool text. It's the 144,000. If you're like, oh, I've always wanted to know more about that, Wednesday we will cover it. So you can join us on Wednesday or watch the YouTube video of the, of the Bible study itself. We'll go through all of that. But to kind of keep the continuity, uh, we're, we're bouncing over that, going to the seventh seal in chapter 8. And if, uh, if, if there's any way to introduce it this morning, there's, there's really only one way to do it, so we're going to try and do that, because the first six seals just had a lot of racket, right? I mean, the first seal, you have the white horse, and, and you've got the sounds of war and, and the clamor, like rattling sabers and, and horses with chariots or tanks with treads and machine gun fire and jet, wow, it's really loud. And then you've got the horse that, that brings unjust killing and death, right? With this awful like, screams of, of pain and panic. And then you've got the, the horse of injustice. And, and that would lead to riots in the street and, and people screaming and throwing things. You've, you've got the, the pale green horse that comes along and it brings death. You'd have people wailing and mourning. So there's all of this noise throughout all of it. And then the sound of silence. If you would join me in reading chapter 8, we're going to start at verse 1. When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and the seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashings of lightning, and an earthquake. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, yeah, that was fun this last week. As I'm looking at that, I kind of go down this little rabbit hole of that song, Sound of Silence, and I thought, what are the odds Joel is on for this weekend? And sure enough, he was. And of course, Joel is the kind of guy who, as a kid, learned how to play that song, so yeah, perfect. Um, this silence, the sound of silence that we have, I think is remarkable at this seventh seal. And I think it's maybe the most important of all of the seven seals that we've opened so far. So remember that there's going to be three of these sevenfold visions. The first one, the, the lamb is opening the seals on the scroll. And then the next sevenfold vision are going to be trumpets, which we just had sort of introduced. So it's, it's kind of binding these two together. 
The, the scroll, all of history with these wars and famine and, and all these terrible things with the second seven set. And in between that, we have this, this moment of silence and this vision of how the seven trumpets are, are going to be brought about. But that silence, it is deafening. Isn't it weird to think of it that way? Like the, the sound of silence or that, that phrase, the silence is deafening. There's something about silence in the midst of all of the clamor that really grabs our attention. Those people who can be peaceful and calm in the midst of the storm of life are people that we look up to, we are impressed by. We see what kind of, of, of fortitude that they have, what kind of strength that they have. And what we see in our text this morning is all of heaven, all of heaven is silent for a short time. They're just silent. Even though on earth, things are bonkers. Things are crazy on the earth. This is something that God is, is letting us know we ought to be trying our best to, to tap into this silence and this calm in the midst of all of the, the chaos of the world. It doesn't shake the foundations of heaven. It, it, it doesn't shake the foundations or, or cause a clamor to God in his heavenly realm. They're okay. Right? It's, it's kind of comforting to think that, that your family, your friends, those who've gone before you in faith, they're up in heaven, and they're, they're unaffected by the wars and, the, and the, all the terrible things that are happening on earth. They are completely unaffected, just, just peaceful and silent but that's not just the, the text. That's not all the text is saying. What the text is saying is, as, as we grab hold of those two kingdoms, the, the kingdom of God that is, is peaceful and at rest, and this kingdom that is of the world that is full of chaos and, and murder and death and, and evil and all of these things, what bridges the two between is this sense of peace. That's the, the calling for us this Advent, I think, for sure. It's a great time. This text fits really nicely as we move into Advent because Advent can be a time of chaos, right? You don't think of it that way. You think of it as just pre-Christmas, right? So you got your shopping lists. You've got the food you've got to make. You've got the decorations around your house. You've got all of these things that we think of as pre-Christmas, but that's what Advent is. Advent is the time that we prepare ourselves for Christmas, but are we preparing ourselves by just adding more clamor, more chaos, more distraction, more noises to try and show everyone else that yes, it is Christmas and, and we are prepared because we've got all the stuff set up and, and we're not being left out, we're, we're participating with all the pageantry, here we are, it's Christmas time where it seems as though scripture is telling us that chaos that, that draws us in is worldly stuff. Now, I'm not saying don't put up Christmas lights and, and don't do all of those things, baking and all that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is when we get caught up into those things, when that becomes our focus, well, then we're not ready. We're not ready for that moment that we get to stand back in awe and wonder. 
parents, grandparents will understand this very well. Uh, imagine the chaos at Thanksgiving, right? You've got all of these kids running around, or maybe it's Christmas for you. For, for the Tim side of the family, when it comes to Thanksgiving, there's 30 to 40 people every year just piling around. There's kids. and Imagine if suddenly there was just silence. Right? You would marvel at that. You would think to yourself, what kind of magic, <laughs> what, what kind of amazing talent did somebody just display to make it silent? Well, this is the power of God to be silencing all of these things that are happening on earth. And he will on that last day. That's the, the joy that we are looking forward to. But we prepare ourselves in advance by sort of practicing that silence, by spending some time looking for the peace that comes to our heart because we know Jesus is coming. And when, when we, we consider Advent, it's actually a really kind of a revelation sort of thing because we think of the first time Jesus came, but really we're looking for the, the next Advent of Jesus' return. It's like two things over the top of each other sort of mirroring each other, just like the sevenfold visions really speaking about the same time, just different ways to look at it layered above. And just like at the first coming of Jesus, there was a time of preparation. John the Baptist went about preparing in the wilderness. And, and what did he do? He cried out. He told the people, the Lord is coming. The Messiah is on his way. So we're preparing by telling people, the Lord is coming. Messiah is on his way. Like, right, December 25th, when baby Jesus. Yes, but also. <laughs> but also he's coming back. And that is where our sense of peace comes from, is, is there is this imminent return of Jesus to this world to bring about that eternal peace. But you can't get past the part of our text <laughs> that talks about all of the calamity, all of the pain, and all of the suffering that happens up until then. Um, in our text this morning, we have another angel came at the, stood at the altar with a golden censer, was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before the hand of the angel, and he takes the censer, fills it with fire from the altar, and throws it upon the earth. That fire that comes upon the earth, well, it's painful. It's destructive. This is the consequence of sin in our world. It's easy to think about being peaceful this Advent time, right? And, okay, I'll take it easy and, and not get too caught up in the decorations and the cooking. I'm going to do all of those things and, and prepare my heart for Jesus. But then sin gets a vote. <laughs> the world gets a vote. They throw a curveball. Something tragic happens in your life or the things that you were planning on fall apart or the, the, the ideas that you had for what the season was going to be like all of a sudden start unraveling and maybe there was a conflict at Thanksgiving and it just kind of boils over and, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm trying to be peaceful and the world isn't cooperating. 
correct, and it never will, because we live in a world that is full of that sin, and the consequence of that sin consumes everything. It's a part of every last thing we do. There is, there is nothing in all of creation that is unmarred by sin. Even the best, most purest plans and desires, we can always find a way to say, this is offensive, or it hurts somebody's feelings, or I didn't want that, or whatever it might be. There's, there's a way in which, no matter what we do, we will be confronted with some consequence of sin. And, and that's, that's the purpose and point of the incarnation, is that Jesus, God himself, steps into that sinful world where everything is touched and marred by sin. He brings his kingdom with him. The first advent, he brings his kingdom and establishes it on earth as the church. And at the second coming, he will bring his kingdom with him and establish it as the kingdom over all of the earth. Which means where we're going to find this peace that we are looking for is right here in the church. This is where he establishes it. And in fact, this is the next part of the the vision, the sevenfold vision. We have the church protected from all of this. I want to actually draw your attention back to Revelation 1 verse 20, which I've got up here on the screen. Uh, There we go. As for the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. We have the seven angels to the seven churches. If you missed what all of that was was symbolically about, go back to like the very beginning, one of the very first uh, Revelation videos, and you'll find it. Like I said, it's chapter 1, verse 20. The seven angels of the seven churches are the ones given the trumpet. They're the ones who are going to be announcing the the next seven plagues. That doesn't mean that we as a church announce the next seven things that happen, these seven terrible things that come on the earth, but rather the church has a role and plays a part in what comes next. And spoiler alert, a lot of natural disasters in the seven trumpets. The church is a place of peace in the midst of all of that chaos. Natural disasters and, and these things of the world have, have brought to their knees all sorts of organizations and, and all sorts of, of structures of government throughout all of time. Right? We, we've seen how earthquakes or, or tidal waves or volcanoes going off can cripple regions and areas. Famine can destroy whole people groups. We've seen all of that happen. But the church remains. It actually reminds me of when I went on vicarage um, shortly before, and I got my vicarage assignment, and, and I was really excited about it because it was Colorado, right? It would be right near the mountains. Love it. I mean, do all the hiking and camping, and, and it's just going to be fantastic. But then in the news, <laughs> record-breaking wildfires 
kind of creeping up and approaching that area. It was not outside the realm of possibility that it was going to get to the church that I was supposed to serve my vicarage at. And I went to my supervisor, and I was like, Dean Rockman, what am I going to do if, if the church I'm supposed to go be a vicar at burns to the ground? And he looked at me and goes, well, then you'll have a lot to do. <laughs> And you're going to learn how to swing a hammer. <laughs> and you're going to learn how to use a shovel and clean up debris. You've got plenty of work to do. I mean, his point was that, that the church doesn't just exist on the same realm or the parameters of the organizations of the world. The building can burn down, and the people, the church of God, still remains. All, all of the rest of the structures of the world can be destroyed, but the church lives within us, and it's expressed when we gather together. This is where Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, he is there present with us. As we gather in his name, the church now exists. When you go home, you're a church member. You're a beloved child of God, but you're not church. <laughs> you're not church in your living room. You are church when you are together, and that can be a handful of you. It can be all of us, but the church is communal and a community that gathers together. The Lord established this with this very concept in mind, that it will continue and it will stay and it will be a part of history until he returns. This is what he gave his life for. Not that people would be forgiven and redeemed and then live on their own, right? The Lord, when he gave his life, when he died on that cross, that forgiveness of sins is intentionally given in a way that brings and binds us together as a people. We were never meant to be individualistic, lone wolf Christians, Cowboy Christians out on the plain on our own. He died for the sins of each and every one of you individually to then be shared and expressed together. The church is protected from these calamities. Not that the, the wildfires don't burn down the buildings or that earthquakes don't shake and break the foundations. That, that's not the protection. The protection is that together we have this peace and hope in the midst of it, knowing that on the last day we are raised from the dead. Knowing that the ultimate protection doesn't come in this life because those tragedies happen to all of us. Those natural disasters, remember the derecho? It hit every one of our houses. It hit like 90% of Iowa, right? That those things are going to come upon every last person and every last Christian. We remain protected, not from the, the worldly things. We remain protected in the heavenly realm where God guards us and keeps us for eternity. The church plays a part in this. <laughs> when that angel goes and collects the prayers of the saints and the incense that is rising from all of uh, the Christians as we pray together rises as incense, he mixes it in with that bowl and spreads it across the earth. It's not that we're praying that natural disasters happen, but when and where they do, our prayers our activity, our actions matter. And so when there are those crisis moments, the church springs into action. When the derecho hit, we had people with bobcats, chainsaws, 
in action. But if it was just that alone, just helping people move logs, then we haven't been the church. We've just been another organization. But instead, we bring hope when we say, this terrible event that happened is terrible. But let me tell you about a new heavens and a new earth with no hurricanes, tornadoes, derechos, earthquakes, wildfires, or anything like that. Let me tell you about the protection from all of these things that, that you can have if you put your trust and your faith in the one who conquered all of these things by his death and resurrection. And so we have these, these two kingdoms that are sort of held together like links in a chain or a carabiner hooking on to both of these kingdoms, the, the kingdom of earth and the kingdom of heaven, these two things held together by this peace and this calm. And since we were talking about all these natural disasters and bad things happening, what was in my brain was prepping, <laughs> right? But we're going to talk about church preppers. And if you don't know what a prepper is, those, those are those people who have all of the, the food stockpiled. They've got you know, all the stuff they need for a major event or an earthquake. And, and, and I'm not like a prepper, but I'm like prepper adjacent. You know, like I've got, I've got some food in the basement, you know, and I've got a little ammo over here. Like I got some stuff, but I'm not crazy about it. But a church preps in a different way. Church preppers prepare themselves for the return of Jesus. How do we do that? Well, we don't get caught up in the chaos. We don't get caught up in all of the stuff of the world thinking this is the ultimate. This is, is everything. What's happening right now is, is the main focus and everything that's happening right now is everything that is important. But rather, we remember what's in heaven. A God who is at peace, filled with calm, with silence, Knowing that, yes, all the calamity is happening, but he is about to return to bring to us peace. So I'd like you guys to be church preppers. I want, I want you to commit for a week. All right? I'm not going to make you raise hands, but I want you to commit for a week, half hour a day, just like our text. Silence. I know, right? It's not going to be easy. When is that time? Well, it's obviously after the kids are on the bus to go to school in my house, right? But can you give me a half an hour just to be silent and, and don't examine the chaos because now that's in your head. Do your best to empty it all out and have this vision of heaven where you've got angels and archangels and the Lamb of God cracking a seal open and all of these things, but just perfect quiet and silence. And then enjoy that peace and imagine that type of peace for eternity. It isn't a 30 minutes of meditate on a psalm. It isn't 30 minutes of reading scripture. Just, just absolute stillness and silence. Be still and just know that he is God. Just be still and know that the peace that surpasses human understanding that I end my sermons with every single week is yours. It's given. It's intended to be yours. You're intended to have this peace in the midst of the chaos because you know what comes next. 
You know that at the, the second advent of Jesus, when he returns, we will see him in his glory and majesty greater awe than all of the Tim family suddenly being quiet will be shed upon this incredible vision of all of the noise and the, the, the craziness and all of the, the pain and suffering and all of those things are just over. The day is coming, but it is also already here if you can have that in your heart and it is given to you by faith. Be still and quiet, 30 minutes a day, and I would love it if you sent me a message and were like, here's, here's what's happening, here's the, the effect of that. I won't share your name, but I might share some of that. Give me 30 minutes a day and just see what peace and quiet does for you as you prepare for the ultimate peace of Jesus' return. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds. In Christ Jesus. Would you please stand to pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for that peace that you won for us on the cross, that peace that is delivered to us by virtue of our faith, for the forgiveness of sins and life everlasting that you've granted to us, anchors us and secures us in the midst of this chaotic and crazy world as we look forward to your return as we look forward to the celebration of the first time you stepped foot on this earth as human. I give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for uh, that gracious gift for eternal life that we can celebrate and feel today. In Jesus' name, amen. Receive the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.